Welcome to the On Brand Podcast, a product of Releve Branding Agency. My name is Jessica Sorrentino, and I'll be your host. Join us this season as we bring in guest entrepreneurs across a wide range of industries to take a deep dive into the topics that matter most in digital marketing today, social media and branding. Are you ready to elevate your brand awareness? Tune in every Friday to spend some time with us. This is the On Brand Podcast. Okay, so today we're here with Arden Martin, who is the co-owner and founder of the Spring Meditation Studio in Manhattan and a consultant for Beauty Counter. Um, Arden, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me, Jessica. I'm very excited to chat about my work because I love everything that I do. And it's really funny when we think about this podcast being a space to talk about female entrepreneurship. I just, I feel like I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I've (laughs) never really been an ambitious person. Um, Going back to childhood, I feel like my interests have always been things like reading and writing and art and working with children and studying psychology. Like these are all the things that I cared about and ended up studying in college. And none of these things are particularly like lucrative in a traditional sense and don't necessarily lend themselves naturally to entrepreneurship either. Um, So it's funny that I'm ending up here talking to you about running businesses, but I actually started my career as an elementary school teacher. I did that for about six years out of college and really loved it, but also knew based on just kind of my personality type being quite an introvert, um, that I wasn't thriving in a job where I had to be basically on and performing all day long in a room trapped with 20 to 30 other people. Um, So it wasn't a sustainable job for me, but it helped me realize that I'm meant to be an educator, just not in a classroom setting. Um, So when I had my last teaching job in Harlem at a pretty um, dysfunctional and chaotic charter school, um, I was actually driven to meditate because I was so stressed and anxious by my work. Um, So I ended up learning a technique called Vedic meditation. It's spelled V-E-D-I-C, and it comes from the Veda, which is this ancient Indian body of knowledge that all forms of yoga and meditation and Ayurveda come. So I learned this technique called Vedic meditation to help manage my stress and anxiety that was really starting to interfere with my personal life and my ability to do my job well. And that technique and practicing it every day had such a profound effect on just how I experience the world and how I show up and my confidence and my mental clarity. It really was such a a, holistic game changer for me that I realized over the course of the next year or two that I wanted to transition from teaching in the classroom to teaching people how to meditate with this technique. So I started um, a teacher training while living in Manhattan and babysitting and doing all the things that I needed to do to get by to become a meditation teacher. And once I started teaching, I realized that I essentially worked for myself and I needed to figure out a way to Um, basically run the business of teaching courses, getting paid to do that, and also making people aware of what I'm offering. Um, I have no sort of formal business background or training, but found myself in a position where I needed to do all the things for my meditation business. And that eventually led to partnering with a couple other meditation teacher colleagues in Manhattan to open my studio in Soho called The Spring. So that's where I am today. Um, And then I should also mention that sometime between becoming a meditation teacher and now, um, I got pregnant and had a baby. And (laughs) my son actually is what inspired me to start my second business, which is working as a consultant with Beauty Counter. Because when I got pregnant, I started to grow much more aware of what I was putting in and on my body because I wanted to support the health of my growing baby and started to learn all about how the products that we use in our homes and on our skin 
have some really sketchy ingredients in them. And I started to learn about how the personal care industry laws have not been significantly updated in over 80 years and how everything is unregulated. And so many of the conventional products out there contain chemicals of concern that have been linked to all kinds of harmful health effects. And being a natural educator, when I learned that Beauty Counter is a company working to help change this I realized it would make a lot of sense for me to partner with them and help get this information out to people and help get safer products into their hands too. So when my son was a newborn, I started my second business. And now a couple of years later, I am a full-time mom running these two businesses and just making it work every day. That is so interesting. I had no idea that you started as a teacher, but it does make sense because you are really good at the educational aspect of yeah sharing um, information on both meditation and clean beauty. So you've definitely tied those skill sets together. It was definitely not in my plan, but now that it's what's happening, it actually does make a lot of sense. And I've found that there's some great cross-pollination that happens between the two businesses. And um, it's actually allowed me to reach more people to have these two separate spaces that I'm working in. Totally. And I know that for the most part, because <laughs> I follow both of your accounts um, on Instagram, both the spring meditation and your personal, um, how heavily do you rely on social for growing these businesses? It really differs between the two. I would say with my meditation studio, because our core offering of teaching people this Vedic meditation technique that I mentioned, um, it's a technique that has to be taught in person. It's a really personalized and comprehensive learning experience that we offer in our studio. And for that reason, a lot of the value of what we offer, it's actually quite challenging for that to translate on social media. Mm -hmm. So we actually use our Instagram account for the spring more to share about events and keep people updated who are already in our community. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. like added value and an added connection point for people that we've already reached. But growing the business really happens more in in terms of referrals and word of mouth. Whereas with my beauty counter business and educating people on clean beauty, that um, I found Instagram to be a really perfect platform for doing that. I would Mm -hmm. say that while my meditation business is localized because it has to be taught in person, my network of people who are interested in clean beauty spans all over the country and even the world um, because it's really just about empowering people with information, helping them understand about things like ingredient safety, how to look at a label, how to navigate you know, when a product has been greenwashed or if it is truly clean understanding your skin and how it responds to stressors, all of that information can be shared virtually. And Mm -hmm. Instagram is a platform that allows me to do that in a really casual and intimate way that helps people be really engaged around that content. So I've found that it's a really powerful tool for, for educating because that's really what both of my businesses, but particularly my beauty counter business is about, it's about educating people and empowering them with information. So Instagram Mm -hmm. has been such a great space for sharing that. I know. I honestly, I really love the way that you've attacked social with beauty counter. I feel, you know, when I follow you, I see you take two different approaches and one is the Q and a approach, which now that you mentioned you were a teacher makes a lot of sense. Um, You can get into that a little bit. Um, And I've also noticed there have been a few times you've reached out to me directly saying like, hey, I think you'd really like this product based on your lifestyle. So I feel like growing your relationships with your consumers and your network is also a really great tactic. Um, Definitely. Those two a little bit and maybe others that you have found successful as far as marketing and growing through education. Sure. Yeah. I I feel like Um, I mean, there's so many levels to it, right? I feel like there's a level of just choosing the content that you're putting out there and being really um, careful about that. I feel like a lot of times when 
when people are marketing product, but they're not represent like, so my, my business is unique with beauty counter because I don't work for corporate. I'm an independent consultant. So I represent the brand. I'm sharing the brand and I'm sharing the product, but not from a very, um, corporate polished lens. I'm sharing it in a much more person to person kind of way. And I want to make sure that my content reflects that, right? Mm -hmm. So if I just take something that HQ has posted on their Instagram, which is really effective and beautiful and well done, it doesn't translate coming from someone like me, who's an individual with my own brand. Um, So I find that it's worthwhile to create my own, you know, original content rather than just kind of grabbing and resharing things that the brand is posting. Um, So it's kind of this balance of wanting to share the brand that I work for, but through the lens of my own brand. Um, Another thing that I find really important when it comes to educating on Instagram is um, making sure that the content is actually readable. So, so many times I see people who are trying to market, whether it's product or some sort of service, they are excited about what they want to share. So they have all of this information that they want to put in their Instagram story, for example. And so they put a slide up that has like three paragraphs of information that they took all of this time to write, but it's all on one slide. And what's going to happen is people are going to see a bunch of words and just keep tapping or even swiping so that they can see something that their eyes can actually lock into. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've learned the hard way that it it's really worth taking the time to make sure your content isn't just good in terms of what you're saying, but it's it's simply readable and legible from a visual perspective. Um, so playing around with making sure that your font is legible, making sure that you're not putting too many words on one slide, making sure that your language is super direct. So when I go to post in my stories, I actually edit um, I edit my content, like the text, pretty carefully, even though I want it to sound casual and natural and I want it to sound like me. I also don't want a lot of extra words in there because there are so many things competing for people's attention. I want to get, I want the, my content to come through very clearly and very quickly. So I want to do that using as few words as possible. Um, That's a huge lesson. I feel that a lot of people in the business sphere need to learn. Definitely. It's not just about putting something out there and being enthusiastic and genuine. You know, you could be super authentic and super genuine and really care about what you want to share. But if it's not presented in a format that people can easily digest, it's just, it's pointless. Right. And like you said, a lot of people will just keep tapping until they find something that their eyes and their brain can focus on. And If they have to keep tapping through, they may get out of your stuff before they actually find that thing to land on. And then you've lost somebody. Yes, exactly. So I find that it's really, um, although you want your content to come across as very sort of natural and intimate and almost casual in the same way that this pot, you know, a podcast like this is being recorded, it's not super produced. And that's what makes it fun to listen to. Um, there's actually a lot of thought and intention that goes into making the content come out that way. And I know that you're talking a lot about Instagram stories right now as a preferred method over just an Instagram post. Um, I recently put up some tips on Instagram about like how to do better on stories essentially for business. And one of them is directly related to what you're saying. And that was basically do not press publish do not send anything until you can identify the value in that post. Um, I love and that. Yeah. If you then start posting with more intention than each piece, if you're looking at it from the angle of your consumer, it should resonate in one way or another. Um, and I think that's an interesting concept, especially when you're talking about education, because the value may not be to purchase something or to gain a commission or, you know, anything like that, but more so just, are they going to take like um, a learning tool away from this slide? Are they going to learn about a different ingredient? Um, Definitely. And I think that's, that's a really interesting concept, you know? 
Yes. And I think that it's especially challenging to actually execute on that when Mm -hmm. you have a personal brand. Um, Because the thing about someone like me who uses Instagram for business, but it's also my personal account and there are people in my personal life who follow it. Um, It's finding that balance of just sharing your life, but also sharing in a way that helps to build your business. So even though I'm, I'm running a personal account that's tied in with my business, every single time I post, I always ask myself, um, just like you were saying, what is the value here? And if, it, if there is no value, if it's just kind of like self-indulgent or I just feel mm-hmm. like you know, I haven't posted anything today, so I'm just going to put this up so people don't forget about me. I never want to do that because then it just dilutes, it just dilutes your content. And, um, but I love what you, I think you shared this, maybe it was months ago at this point, but I remember you shared in on some platform that you want to be consistent with your posting, but that doesn't have to be every day. It mm-hmm. needs to be consistent. It could just be a couple times a week. And so people are on social media so often now throughout the day, like tens or hundreds of times a day. So sometimes we can think that we need to be posting that often as well, but it's not, it's totally not the case. You can be consistent and stay relevant in people's minds, even if you're just posting a few times a week, I think. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. We posted that on the Releve um, Instagram handle uh, a couple months ago. So happy you saw it. Um, But that is actually one of the biggest roadblocks we hit with our clients all the time um, when we're strategizing with them. Like once once the plan is in place, they seem to like understand what's going on. But when we sign a new client and we tell them, here's your, your strategy, here's your plan. Um, you're slated for two posts a week and five stories a week because that's our basic package. They freak out. They're like, this is a 24-hour platform. My customers are there all day. And my response is always exactly the same. And it's that, first of all, I'd rather you post once a week with the highest quality content you can possibly find than seven days a week with just mediocre content to do, like you said, just to not like disappear. That's so dumb. Yeah. Um, You're going to lose more people by like straying from your brand than you are to be invisible and then pop back up. That's number one. Number two, the platforms aren't chronological anymore. So you don't have to be active every single day in order to make an appearance. Right. And that's three, to know. Yeah. And if you're like a store or a different type of business, like a bigger business, you're not open 24 seven. So a consumer has to wait to get in touch with you if they have a concern or an issue. So just because this is a virtual version of that doesn't mean that they have access to you 24 seven, just because they can, like, it's up to you as the owner, as the business to set that boundary. Even if that means you feel like you have to say, we respond from 12 to three, then if that makes you feel better about not being active on the other times of day, go for it. But you know, I feel very, very strongly about that because it's really hard in digital marketing to like set that boundary of staying present, but taking a break. So, you know, it's up to you for you by the platform. So you have to do it yourself. Exactly. So, and, and I really feel strongly about that because customers, like they can't contact Macy's all day long and expect a response. They're going to go on twice a day, maybe three times if they have nothing else going on, answer everyone in bulk and probably not respond again until the following day. Just because you're a small business doesn't mean you have to operate differently. You know, that's such an important message. I think, I think that everyone who owns their own business is kind of questioning like, how can I not be working 24 seven? Is it, it, it's really easy to get to a place where it feels that way because every time you get the compulsive urge to check your phone, you can go check your DMs or check your emails and then feel like you have to answer. So I think many, many entrepreneurs need to hear what you just said. Thank you. It's a tough, I feel just like you said, it's especially in entrepreneurship, you almost feel this level of guilt if you haven't accomplished X amount of things in a day. And I feel like now being in quarantine, 
that number of things to accomplish to feel satisfied has gone up significantly, which is a strange sort of result of being stuck at home. When other people aren't working, you feel like you need to work extra. Like, yeah. Are you feeling that way also? I'm not sure what's going on with that. I think there's a little bit of guilt around, not guilt, maybe for me, it's kind of like you see and and hear about people wanting to use their quarantine time productively. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we're not using it productively, and and also this idea of being so privileged, right? If if we're in quarantine right now, we are inherently privileged because we have shelter and we're able to stay home because we're not essential workers. And so maybe that even adds on to the guilt of like, well, I'm just here being useless at home. I should be using this time to be productive and work and do things and accomplish. And as entrepreneurs, I think we already have that attitude a bit naturally. Mm-hmm. So it maybe that maybe the the quarantine effect um, exacerbates that a little bit more. But I think okay. that a better approach is really just to, I think the fact that we're in quarantine right now, the the thing that we can take away from it is, yes, we have more like kind of dead time on our hands where we feel like we need to be doing, but might it be even better if we could just really, really enjoy having some dead time and truly resting and truly just slowing down and doing less, which this time is really inviting us to do. And then when we do have our allotted work time, which we're always going to have quarantine or not, we're able to be more focused, put more energy in, be more productive with the time that we have without necessarily increasing the hours that we're working. That's a really good outlook for it and a goal to strive for in the next few weeks because I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. Definitely Um, not. And I think to as as extra motivation to not just work more during quarantine because you think you should and you have more time. I really think both in social media and just in business in general, there is something to be said about scarcity. You know, that was something else that Mm -hmm. came to mind when we were talking about Um, content quality when it comes to Instagram. I think that when I, I always, whenever I post, whenever I create content, I always think about what am I gravitating toward as a content consumer? And like with all the other people that I follow, what am I, what am I grabbing onto? What am I interested in? What are my behaviors, unconscious behaviors as an Instagram user? Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I notice is when someone has a really, really long story, I never watch it because I'm just like, and and if that person is posting every single day and they're always there, it almost kind of makes me um, like numb to them in a way. I don't know about the choice of words, but then if there's someone else that I inherently like their content, I'm interested in them, but they're not necessarily posting every day. When I do see that they have a story, I definitely want to make sure to watch it, you know, because it's going to have something something interesting. So that's the other thing I try to remember when I get into a place of feeling guilty, like, oh, I haven't posted anything today, or I need to put something up. Um, I need to be consistent. I just think to myself, it's okay to go dark for a little while, because then when you do get inspired, which you absolutely will get inspired, it's just a matter of time. If you don't put too much pressure on yourself or burn yourself out, when you do get inspired and your content's really good, people are going to be more likely to check it out. If it's been a while since they've heard from you, as long as the, as long as that gap isn't too long, of course. Uh, Absolutely. Um, There are certain businesses where just from like you're saying, just from spending aimless hours on the app and everything, where I can before, like if I see their logo in the story lineup, I already know what's going to take place on their story. And I'm like, oh, I can't watch that again today. Um, And it's a lot like there are some businesses whose strategy is simply to just repost everything. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't, I don't know offense to them, but I don't really care that other people love their business. Like, right. that's not to me providing value. Um, I think sprinkling those in, especially if it's a verified follower that's giving you some credit, or if it's a new customer with a review or, you know, something that's going to provide some sort of levity to your business, then fine. But just reposting everything without throwing in some original content, um, it kills me. Not in person. Yeah. It kills me. 
And then the ones that repost from being reposted to being reposted. It's it's like that Leo movie. What's that movie with the dreams? Inception. Yes. It's like the Inception strategy. I can't stand it. <laughs> I know. I definitely crack myself up sometimes thinking like, if I were to repost this again, and then they did it, and it, there's yeah. really a never ending loop. Like, does Instagram have a cap on how many times that can happen? Can you imagine it would be like the size of a fingernail by the time <laughs> So funny. And that's where I think that the, this idea of being consistent with your, with your content sharing on Instagram, it's complex. It's not just about being consistent. It's not as simple as just consistently posting. It has to be good content too. It has to add value. It has to be interesting. Right. And especially if you're taking that strategy for the use of education, um, you resharing that I bought your sunscreen isn't going to provide any sort of educational value. Like, yeah, other consumers don't care what's on my face. Like, that's going to go against your strategy. And I think that that's a tough one, too, is people get really caught up in the trend of just sharing and networking, which is, don't get me wrong, a huge part of it. And it should be acknowledged. But sticking with what they're going to be known for. Like there are so many times when I'm making account audits and strategies that it takes me a really long time to figure out what the essence and the value of an account is. Um, because they just like, they're all over the place with just trying to keep up with the ever changing world, I guess. Um, so it's really important, especially when it's a more service-based or education-based to like really stand true to the fact that like, there's going to be other stuff going around, but my goal here is to educate you on a clean lifestyle. So I'm going to take these trends, make them fit or ignore the trend in general um, and feel okay with that. Like sit, like have that sit well with you. Yeah. You have to have, you have to have confidence in that area to, to ignore a trend. And that, that actually brings up a question. I'm curious for your take on this because there's, I feel like there's a bit of an, there has to be the proper etiquette used because in reality we are networking we are networking and we do appreciate when people share about us on their account what if someone does share but you don't necessarily feel that it's right for you to repost it or add it to your story but you don't want to just ignore that someone's connecting with you essentially when they when they sh- share about you in their post or tag you or something. What do you think is the best way to not like snub someone when you don't necessarily want to reshare? I think just acknowledging it is fine. And I think that's a really wonderful question. Um, there are often times that you know, if it doesn't fit or if you feel you've done too many times, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just not right to be published onto your channels. And that's fine. Um, it can go two ways. One, I would just acknowledge it, either like it and say, thank you, or I love this and just, you know, comment on it, but then leave it there. Um, or two, and this is a big one. If it's an influencer or a partner that you're working with and their content doesn't fit and it's supposed to, Um, or it's a a person that you have a close enough relationship with where you're like, Hey, I really like to share your work, but it doesn't fit my brand. I'd set up just sort of like a one sheet of brand guidelines for how you share your content and say, if you were to post, uh, following this, I'm happy to share it on my channels also. Um, I love that. Yeah. That doesn't have to be with everybody, but that could be like, say you do have somebody who buys frequently and has become a really big advocate for the clean beauty space with you, but they have a brand palette that's completely different than yours and a voice that doesn't mesh with what your audience is used to. Mm -hmm. Um, You can say like, I love your content. Would you mind framing some of it following these guidelines so we can cross promote each other? Um, Otherwise you can just like, like it, say, I love what you're doing and then no feelings are hurt, you know? Yeah, that's such a good point. I feel like sometimes we get to this place where we think that not resharing something or not not connecting with someone publicly, like by reposting them or whatever, is a missed opportunity, especially as entrepreneurs who are are just getting started or fairly new. It's like we don't Mm -hmm. want to miss any opportunities. And I think even when you're new and even when you're still growing, it 
it's so important to set those boundaries like you were talking about and not feel like just because someone tags you, you have to repost it or just because someone wants to collaborate with you, you have to say yes, because ultimately if it's not going, it's not aligned or it's not going to elevate or like um, just kind of enhance what you're already doing, then it's actually counterproductive, but it can be scary to set those boundaries when you're relatively new. I've learned that the hardest boundaries to set starting out happen to be the ones that I wish I set sooner. Um, (laughs) As an entrepreneur, that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. Um, I fell exactly into what you just described. I was so scared to say no to so many different things in my like first year business um, that I sort of lost my brand identity along the way until I had to finally sit down and be like, okay, I may have zero clients in a month if I take this next step forward, but at least the clients I get afterwards are going to be exactly who I want to represent my brand. And then sitting with that, I like, I was like, okay, (laughs) here we go. And it was probably the best decision I made, but it also, you don't realize that you just say yes to everything because you're so scared of having no work or no base or anything. Um, Right. And then how are you going to provide value or how are you going to stand out from your industry um, when you're just sort of like bouncing around saying yes? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, this kind of pivots the conversation a little bit, but I do feel that when you are in the phase where you're still kind of building um, and your business is really new because we don't want to be operating from a place of fear of, you know, not when we like being scared to say no, it really does help to have, something else funding you, whether it's Mm -hmm. work or support from a family member, you've got to have something else funding you while you're building so that you don't make fear-based decisions. At least that's what I've found. That's really true. And I have an interesting follow-up to that. And that question would be, how open do you think you should be with your audience about that? About the fact that you're still new and you're not making any money. (laughs) Or the fact that you're still new and you're growing and you're, you're building your brand. Like, do you think it's a better strategy to just launch and, you know, the whole fake it till you make it? Or do you think it's a better idea, especially, you know, in this, this concept of a, um, educational based platform, are you more interested than in being open and honest about it and asking them like, Hey, like this is the direction I'm going in. This is who I am. Come on this journey with me and let me help you kind of strategy. Yeah, that's such a good question. I think probably more towards the latter. If you're, if you're a business that's going to be using something like Instagram or just any social media as your platform, I think that what resonates most with people on these kinds of platforms is like person to person, communication and connection and seeing people as humans, right? Like when, Mm -hmm. at least for me personally, as a consumer of content, when, when something is super polished and I really don't get a sense of the background or the humanity behind a brand, I really don't feel as connected to it or, um, want to necessarily be loyal to it. But when I see faces, I hear voices, I hear stories, I, can follow the kind of ups and downs of the challenges that the brand or the business owner may be facing, then I feel much more connected and I want to support. So I think that being transparent about that makes a ton of sense. I think that's just kind of where business is moving, like more and more businesses Mm -hmm. are moving toward person to person connection, even the biggest of brands, right? Like you look at Facebook's commercials that they've been releasing. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been in quarantine and like everything so on their commercial is just like people hugging each other and crying and showing their vulnerability. And so I think doing that as a business owner is, is really smart actually. I agree. And to follow up from that one, um, I was originally going to ask you if you plan on setting up a separate account for your beauty counter business, but it sounds like you're like the operating under the personal account with sprinkling in bits of your life and motherhood and the meditation and everything is really the best strategy for getting that clean lifestyle 360 view out there for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a separate account that's called Clean Beauty Bites, where I do share a fair amount of clean beauty education. And it's a private account because that allows me to share my own kind of like deals and promotions and things that I can't share publicly as a beauty counter consultant. So that's the original reason why I created the private account. But I also did it for what you mentioned, just to kind of do an experiment to see how that content translated um, when it wasn't like um, my personal brand as much. I use more like HQ generated images and like textual um, uh, feed posts and things like that. So it's not, it doesn't feel as personal and Mm -hmm. it doesn't get nearly as much engagement. So I think for a business like mine, it makes a lot more sense to be, um, to be kind of marrying it with my personal page. Um, I think you do a good job of blending it together. Thank you. It's certainly not something that I have a formula for, and it's something that I'm constantly figuring out the balance of like personal content and educational content and Mm -hmm. product-based content. It really is like all about striking a balance. And it's also um, a bit challenging because sometimes I think that when, when you are your brand and your personal life is inherently like wrapped up in your brand, like mine is, um, it can be challenging sometimes to like feel like you have to share. I don't know if you ever run into this yourself, but sometimes I just don't really feel like documenting my personal life, honestly. And now that I have a toddler, toddlers and phones do not mix. So if I'm around my child, which is what some people who follow my account, all they want to see is my child. But nowadays I'm not even really around him while I have my phone. So it becomes this like logistical challenge of um, wanting to share my life because I know that it brightens people's day and it helps people feel connected to me, but also um, not wanting it to like affect my personal life either. It really is tricky, but that's where I kind of fall back on knowing that scarcity is not a bad thing. So just because I'm not posting like six different scenes of me having fun with my kid every day. And I'm just kind of sprinkling in something really, really cute that I managed to capture once a week. Um, it's still, it still works. For sure. And I, I do, I want you to know you're not alone there. I feel that way almost daily. Um, yeah. I do have, obviously the business has its own account, but I focus primarily on my brand in order to build that brand because the way I operate my business is so personal, even Taylor, who usually will be on these episodes and she just couldn't today. Um, but even the way with the accounts that she runs, she has such a personal relationship with her clients that our strategy is to focus on our personal brands, to bring people in, to be like, Hey, this is who you're going to work with. This is what we can do for you. And then, you know, we're just under the umbrella of the company, but, um, I've had to, I have to actually take a step back daily. And I, I notice I almost congratulate myself when I put my phone down and go into a different room. And I'm like, that's disgusting. Like, (laughs) like I need to not be aware of the fact that I'm doing that. And that's my goal right now is to be like, it's okay to be separate from it. Nobody's going to miss me that much. Um, right. Right. That's number one. And number two, I've had to learn that just because I'm using a personal brand doesn't mean I need to share every aspect of my life. Um, so I sort of toggle back and forth between a few different topics that I share and it is a little bit, it's still a little bit too superficial for me. Like I'd like to be a little bit more open, but I don't really like talking to the camera. So like that's kind of out. Um, but you know, I pick like a few topics and I'm like, okay, these, I guess these will be my story topics for at least right now. And then maybe they'll evolve or change. Um, But just because it's a personal brand, I have to remind myself, like, I don't need to share all aspects of my personal life. Um, Yeah, that's such a good, it's such a good thing to put out there because oftentimes we feel like in order to be authentic, we have to be sharing everything. Um, But I think it's totally possible to be authentic and to truly genuinely connect without sharing everything. Like if you really think about it, you're not going to share when you have to go to the bathroom. Right. But that doesn't mean mean your your account can't be authentic. And I have to remind myself of that constantly because if something really amazing happens in my life, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be authentic on social, I have to share this. But 
That's not what it's about. It's about, it's about capturing the, like the authentic, like qualities of your life and sharing those on there, but it's not, it doesn't have to be in such quantity that we think sometimes it has to be. Exactly. And and I've actually learned that the account strategies that I make for actual businesses, I've started to make them for personal brands too. Um, and I made one for myself and it, it really does make such a difference because I was able to like outline what my goals are by using the app as a person. Um, and then, you know, I outlined my categories as if I were the business and put, you know, inspirational content that, um, I'd like to include into my profile. So for me, at least like my biggest point of education is aesthetics and on brand marketing. So whether or not it's like a, a something that I've baked or cooked or a pair of shoes that I bought, like I'm only really, and I have to remind myself, like people aren't coming to my page to get to know me as a person. They're seeing that like I do on brand marketing, you know? So right. that's okay. Like, I'm like, okay, just because like I have a lot of really great black clothes, but that's really not part of my brand online. So like, it's okay that I haven't posted those. And I have to remind myself that it's like, my strategy is to make this a profile that's more of like a portfolio. So it's learning that difference. Yeah. It's about being really intentional about what aspects, yes, you want to, yes, you're going to be genuine, but what aspects of yourself do you actually want and need to share with people? Because again, you're not going to be sharing every single part of yourself with people on social. It's literally impossible. So you just have to be really thoughtful about what those aspects are that you're going to share. Right. And you have to marry that with what your consumer is looking for. Like you said, like you've become more aware of as a consumer, what you're gravitating towards um, and how you can provide that for them. Totally. Um. Yeah, I think that's all really interesting. And now I just back to entrepreneurship really fast. Um, do you have any advice for people who are looking to get started in the clean beauty space? I know that that's a really, really popular industry right now, just clean living in general. Um, yeah. And it feels a little bit saturated in certain markets. So is there any breakthrough advice that you want to offer? Um, I think that it really needs what keeps me going in this industry and what brings reward. And I think what helps my business grow is that I'm really coming at it from an attitude of service. I really see it as I'm, I'm working in this space, not just because I love a good product and this is what people want right now. And there's a demand for it, but I, I genuinely want to help people live healthier lives and and be empowered. And so when, because I'm an entrepreneur, I can decide like what I want to focus my energy on with this work. There are so many different ways that I can take my work. I always come back to asking myself, well, how am I problem solving for people? How am I genuinely helping people? And so I think someone who wants to get involved in this space needs to not just see it as a jumping on the wagon because people are into clean right now, but really asking themselves, how can I genuinely help people? Um, And there are many different ways to do that in this industry, whether it's helping educate them with information or it's helping them make choices, like helping them actually choose what products are going to best suit their skin, helping them get to know their skin better. Um, It always comes back to like, how are you serving the people that you want to engage with your brand. I think that's a really huge nugget that people can walk away from this with. Um, And as far as accomplishing that, how do you manage your time? Like how much of it do you give to social? What do you outsource? Um, How do you stay up to date with the latest that's going on in the industry, in-house administration? There are so many aspects of it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm really lucky with Beauty Counter that there is a really strong education and advocacy team that works for HQ that is very, um, they're very connected with their consultant network. So like our senior, um, senior vice president of sustainability, for example, and the one who is 
leading all of our advocacy efforts in DC and in all of the states, she is really good about educating us, the consultants. So I don't have to be like going on government websites and reading about the current like beauty bills that are being introduced and that we're trying to get passed. I don't have to do that research myself. I get it. So in a way, that's kind of what I outsource, but I'm lucky to have that resource source in the company. Um, I would say that I spend most of my time just because of the nature of my business, um, kind of planning content for social and actually getting that done. Like I was mentioning earlier in our chat, I actually spend like more time than I think most people do just kind of creating my story content so that it looks good, so that the wording is carefully chosen, so that it's concise, so that it's visually easy to read. Like that actually takes a lot more time than I think people realize when they're consuming it. Um, so a pretty surprisingly large amount of time goes into just posting on social. Um, and like I said, I just kind of consume like my, I educate myself just kind of piecemeal whenever I have the time to, I just make sure that I'm connected to and plugged into the resources that I need in order to do that. But to be totally honest with you, time management right now for me is pretty disorganized and it's pretty day by day just because I'm full time with my son and I don't actually have childcare. So I'm, and, and honestly, if anything, it's a testament to the fact that you can run a business kind of like five minutes here, five minutes there. I wouldn't say that it's ideal, um, but if you are focused and you are passionate and you can take advantage of little 20 minute 30 minute, five minute chunks that you have in the day and you're being targeted with how you spend it. Like you, if you're just getting things done, literally one task at a time, you can absolutely start your own business, even if you have a lot of other things going on. So I definitely won't pretend to be a time management expert. I I think all the time about how I could streamline my workflow. And the reality is right now that I'm just kind of doing things in little chunks when I can get them. Um, but the positive side of that is it can still get done that way. Totally. And honestly, that's my favorite part of being an entrepreneur and running my own business is that while to customers and to clients, I don't work on the weekends. I work all weekend because when I have an idea, I just go for it. Um, and there are some days from like, 9am to 4pm, I have no interest in working, but then from 4 to 10pm, I'm like a machine. So wow. You know, I feel like that's my favorite part is just like making my own hours when I feel like it. Yeah. And not I, I think that it can feel really tempting to, to be like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I need to create my own structure, and I need to organize my day. And as long as I have this perfect workflow that I'm sticking to every day, like, everything's just going to come together. I think based on what you shared and what I shared, like most business owners don't actually work that way, either because we simply yeah. can't or because we're human beings. And on different days, we have different levels of energy and different levels of inspiration. And it's actually, I think, more freeing when we embrace the fact that one day we might work a ton and be super caught up in a project. And another day, we might just not feel inspired. And as entrepreneurs, we have the freedom to flow with that. Totally. Especially because like you just said, you know, for time management, you're wearing so many different hats that every day is going to look different regardless. Like it might be an accounting day or it might be uh, a client facing day or a product shooting day. You never know. So it's, it's unrealistic. And I, I think it kind of sets you up to feel like you haven't produced. If you think that every day nine to five is going to be the same when you're starting your own business. Totally. And what I find actually works best for me now that I've thought about it a little bit, um, although I don't have like quote unquote time management handled, I do try to use the strategy of just having um, what I call like my big three for the day. So I think we can all relate to having these super long to-do lists that we are never able to check everything off in one day and it inevitably bleeds into the next day and the next day. What I try to do is I try to pick my big three for the day, or maybe it's even just big two, but I just mm -hmm. try to outline a very manageable short list of tasks that 
are the most important that I definitely want to and know I can get done that day. And as long as I've done my big two or my big three, then I'm, I'm good. And I think breaking it down like that a little bit helps you to not burn out. and It helps you to keep things going day to day, but also not feel like you have to tackle all 10 things for your business that just came to mind in the same day. I love that. I love that. That's a great idea. Um, and then you're not half-assing anything either. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it comes back to that um, quality over quantity conversation with like your content. It, it, the same thing goes for your tasks. Absolutely. Um, so before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Maybe your handles, um, any last minute thoughts? Um, I'm going to put your handles in the bio anyway. Um, but if you want to just give them a shout out, feel free. Thank um, you. Yeah. So my personal handle is at Arden Martin, just my first and last name. And then my meditation studio, the spring, you can find at the spring meditation and as far as final thoughts go, I guess I'm just really grateful to be able to have this conversation with you, Jessica. I think that um, when it comes to marketing your business online, it's just really refreshing to be able to talk openly about doing that. I think that when it comes, it, all of us who are business owners, we're all basically in sales to some degree, right? We have some sort of service or product that we want people to either buy or engage with in some way and talking really openly about our strategies for doing that because we really believe in what it is that we're offering. Sometimes it can feel like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to come across as being salesy or I don't want to be pushing my product or my service too hard. Sometimes it feels like we, I don't know, that we can't be open about the fact that we're trying to market something and right. to be able to talk openly about how we're doing that because ultimately we just want to help people. We just want <laughs> to serve people through our businesses. Um, I've just really enjoyed being able to chat transparently about how we are growing our businesses. So I really appreciate being able to have this conversation with you. Oh, I'm so happy that you said that. Thank you for that. Um, and I agree. I think it's an ever changing conversation. And like you said, a little while ago, the world is, is becoming more transparent and hopefully that conversation will start to get easier um, as things keep evolving. Definitely. Yeah. So thank you for, creating this platform for having these kinds of transparent conversations. Cause I think it's going to help a lot of people. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.